welcome to Nativ, everyone, uh, for everyone that's here uh, in the physical and online. Welcome. Um, my name is Adam, and we're going to continue with the laws of the Rambam's Mishnah Torah. So um, we are in chapter 11 of the laws of Hilkot Avodat Kochavim Bechukotehim, which is uh, the laws of foreign worship, basically. Chapter 11, Halakha 13. So, um, basically, these, uh, these closing laws for chapter 11 have to do with uh, astrology, sorcery, and divination, and things of, of the sort, and what the Torah has to say concerning those, uh, those practices. Uh, these are not practices that are common amongst uh, the Israelite people, and they're definitely, uh, what do you say, uh, restricted and condemned by the Torah. So... Um, the Rambam was very explicit um, to speak uh, openly against any type of astrology or um, anything of the sort. So uh, there, there obviously are different opinions uh, from other Torah scholars as well. So it's, um, um, this is one main opinion here that uh, the Rambam brings out. But at the same time, his, his opinions, even though some disagree, they are respectful and, uh, when they bring other opinions. But um, there's a lot more information other than this to study if anyone is interested. So um, Halakha 13 is talking about um, people who seek information from the dead, like uh, necromancy, if you want to call it. So who is one who seeks information from the dead? A person who starves himself and goes to sleep in a cemetery so that a deceased person will come to him in a dream and reply to his questions. Um, these are also known as mediums, people that seek from the dead. Um, there are others who, will, who wear special clothing, recite incantations, burn a particular type of incense and sleep alone so that, so that a deceased person will come to them and speak to them in a dream. To summarize, anyone who performs a deed in order, to, in order that a deceased person should come to him and give him information is punished by lashes. So um, note that it said the, that anybody who performs a deed in order to cause this to happen, um, he gets lashes only because uh, punishment is only administered when an action or a, a deed is, is performed. Not, uh, not through speech, typically. Uh, speech isn't considered an action um, in this case. Well, it, it, it doesn't mean that it's not wrong. So the, the, the question was, can you repeat the question? Oh, oh, I see. Like the action of burning incense. Is that wrong or is it the act of burning incense for the sake of uh, conjuring up spirits? Yes, the second part. Of course it's not... Um, so that means I could take a nap in a graveyard. If you want to take a nap in a graveyard, it, but, it's but not... Still, the whole point is... It's not, it's not prohibited directly, but uh, I wouldn't recommend it. No, um, <laughs> I don't think you would find much comfort there, but nonetheless, uh, no, to the act of burning incense alone, unless you're doing it 
for the purpose of and the exact way that uh, someone would use to service idols, then it might, there might be what to be concerned about. But for the simple sake of burning incense, for the smell of it or what have you because you enjoy it, there's, there's no prohibition there. So, good question, thank you. Um, so anyone who, to summarize, anyone who performs a deed in order that a deceased person should come to him and give him information is punished by lashes. Um, as Deuteronomy 8, 18.10 states, they, there shall not be found among you one who passes, so on and so forth, and one who seeks information from the dead. Okay, um, along with the Rambam's listing of the uh, 613 mitzvot, uh, Sefer HaChinuch also lists this to be um, a prohibition um, amongst the other negative commandments in the 613. So, Halakha 14, it is forbidden to inquire of a person who practices divination, excuse me, with an ov or a yidoni, and... Um, Let's see, if you want to learn more about that, you can go back to chapter 6 of the same, of these same laws, chapter 6 in Halakha 1 and 2, and they, they, those two laws uh, explain exactly what is an ov or uh, a yidoni and the laws concerning uh, how to define those uh, two types of uh, actions, if you would. So... Um, it is forbidden to inquire of a person who practices divination um, with an ov or yidoni, as uh, Deuteronomy 18:10 through 11 states. There shall not be found among you one who passes, so on and so forth, one who seeks information from an ov or a yidoni. Um, so, referring back to chapter six, uh, the Holocaust one and two. There, they describe the prohibitions involved in the practicing. Uh, with practicing divination with an over and Edoni, and relate that these prohibitions are punishable by death. Okay, so uh, it's a pretty severe thing there. Um, which, you know, it's, it's easy, we talked about this before, it's easy to look at the, the punishment of lashes as something light compared to death, but they literally would, would beat the person with lashes up to 40 lashes. Um, and there would, there would be a strong man uh, with two hands on the whip, and he would put all his force behind the whip. And uh, they would literally beat the person nearly to death. So it's uh, very severe. Sometimes it might seem like death would be more of a mercy, you know. I'm not, I don't think I want to volunteer to get hit with a bull whip, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> Rubber hose is not a party. Okay, moving on. <laughs> you guys are scaring me. Bull whips and rubber hoses, I don't know what's going on here. Well, it's because we thought about maybe flogging someone. Do I need to run? No, no, you're a real friend. Oh, good. Wow, with friends like you who needs enemies, huh? 
No. Uh, this is really a safe place to be for anybody watching online. Just be careful when you come in. <laughs> no, this is a great place, Uh We like to joke. So, um, so thus a person who practices divination with an ova or a Udoni himself is stoned to death, and a person who inquires of them violates a negative commandment and receives stripes for, for rebelliousness. One who plans his deeds and acts according to their instructions is punished by lashes. So as, as mentioned above, punishment is administered for, for violating a Torah commandment only when a deed is committed. So, and speech is not considered to be a deed. Accordingly, punishment is not administered for merely inquiring of such a medium. If, however, one commits a deed, it is. So, we can break this down a little bit. Um, so, a person who practices divination with an O or a Udoni himself is stoned to death because he's directly practicing a Torah prohibition. Uh, concerning idolatry. If you guys remember, there's three categories of laws that, um, that a, a, a Jew is um, instructed by Hashem to give up his life instead of breaking these three prohibitions. One of them is, of course, idolatry. The second one is um, murder. And the third one is sexual immorality. So um, if someone was to approach a Jewish person and say, either you worship this idol or I'm going to kill you, then he must forego his life uh, to not worship the idol. The same with murder. Yeah, like choose one of these people to murder and murder them or I'm going to kill you and your family. Um, you know, God forbid that would happen. But in such a case, the person, the Jewish person is required to give up their life. And the other one is, uh, do this act of sexual immorality, or, I, or I'm going to kill you, then the person must also forego his or her life. If some, okay, for, for, okay, now that's a really good question. The question was, for everybody listening, if someone approached a Jewish person and says, if you don't eat this piece of pork meat, I'm going to kill you, what should they do? Are they supposed to give up their life? What should they do? Well, it's, uh, it depends. So if it's simply uh, to cause the person to stumble um, in a private manner, uh, uh, and like the, the person is literally going to kill them, and it's just between the, uh, the person that's killing and the person that's uh, being challenged to eat it, then to save his life, um, and I'm up for, open for correction here, from what I understand, to save his life, he should eat. But if the person that's threatening and demanding the eating of the Jewish person, if his point is to tear down the tenets of Judaism, then the person that's being challenged to eat it or die must die. Does that make sense? If there's an audience, or if it's like a, um, if you look at the story of uh, Hanukkah, um, the high priest at the time, uh, they challenged him in front of 
all the leaders of the nation in public forum to eat pork and, uh, or, or be killed, and he refused, then they said, well, just act like you're going to eat it, and we'll spare your life. And he said no, and they killed him. And then uh, the revolt started. So um, that, was, that was the case. They were using him uh, in front of the whole nation to try to destroy the tenets of Judaism, which in turn means to destroy the tenets of the service of Hashem, openly. So, yes, that would be uh, in a public forum, but also that could also happen in a private forum, uh, depending on who it is, because the community, you know, say it's someone of that high stature, a leader of the Jewish community, and they find out through word of mouth or what have you that, oh, they killed him because um, they said they were going to kill him if he didn't eat this, so he didn't eat it. So I guess that means we don't have to eat it. Uh, in order to save our lives too, uh, you know, we we, don't, um, we can eat it. In order, to, I'm getting it mixed up. So the people would uh, have a tenant. It it would be, yeah. In other words, the people might be inclined to say, "Well, I'll eat it too," uh, and then it's like a, a domino effect, where uh, so, so something as high uh, level as keeping kosher being disregarded in this situation could cause the whole nation to disregard keeping kosher and so on and so forth, which uh, completely defeats the purpose of serving Hashem, if that makes any sense. So forgive me if I'm not articulating it properly, but um, yes, it's a touchy situation. Now, um, the laws concerning that are specifically for Jews, okay? Um, anyone else is not required to give up their life uh, for such a thing. Um, and the laws are complex. It's, it's not a simple thing, and we can, uh, we can delve into it further in the future. Okay. Yes, yeah. Okay, so um, so you have the, the person who practices divination with an ove or Udoni himself. He is stoned to death. So this, this is a Jewish person who is um, actually performing the idolatrous service that is prohibited by the Torah. So, of course, that's the, the first of those three categories of commandments that a Jewish person must give up their life in order to avoid... Uh, breaking the prohibition. The second one is the person who inquires of um, the Ove or Yudoni, and uh, he, he violates a negative commandment and he receives stripes for rebelliousness. So he is violating a negative commandment, but he's not doing an action to break the, uh, to break the commandment fully. So therefore there's no, there's no punishment dealt out by the Torah uh, physically. Okay. So, uh, when it says strikes for rebelliousness, that would be like a rabbinic punishment. Um, one who plans his deeds and acts accordingly to their instructions is punished by lashes, makot, so, which is a Torah uh, form of punishment, which is a, what, like we discussed, the 30, uh, up to 40 lashes um, from a very strong man with a really... Um, powerful whip. 
So um, he is punished because he took the instruction of the Yudoni, but he didn't do the practices of the Yudoni or Ov, but he took the instructions from these people, um, these sorcerers or what have you, and then he uh, took the instruction and applied it to his life. Okay. Fifteen, a sorcerer must be condemned to execution by stoning. Um, this applies when he commits a deed of sorcery. Okay, so our translation here follows the Rambam's opinion, stated openly in the following halakha, that all these occultic arts are of no avail and cannot have any effect on reality. Thus the latter phrase refers to a person who commits a deed performed by sorcerers in an attempt to practice their craft. Excuse me. <coughs> it must, however, be noted that the simple interpretation of Sanhedrin 67a is that a person who actually performs a deed through sorcery is executed. One who merely appears to do so is given stripes for rebelliousness. Okay. So if, however... He merely de deludes those who observe him into thinking that he is performing an act. Although he actually does not, he is given stripes for rebelliousness. The commentaries note the apparent contradiction between this halakha and halakha 9, which states that a person who deludes others into thinking that he has performed a wondrous act is punished by lashes. Among the at attempted resolutions of this difficulty are A. The person receives two punishments, one for violating the prohibition against divination and one for violating the prohibition against sorcery. And that's explained in the uh, commentary of the Kesef Mishneh. And then B, the Rambam is referring to two types of delusion. Thus in Halakha 9, he speaks of fooling the people into thinking that he performs wonders. While in this Halakha, he does not use such phraseology. The prohibition against divination involves attempting to impress the common people of one's occultic powers in order to exercise one's authority over them. In contrast, the sorcery involves fooling people into believing that one has performed an extraordinary act. Okay, so the reason is that the prohibition against sorcery is stated in the prohibition, Deuteronomy 18, 10-11, there shall not be found among you one who practice, practices sorcery. It is, however, a prohibition which is punishable by execution by the court, as Exodus twenty two seventeen states, do not allow a witch to live. Therefore, lashes are not administ administered for its violation. And you can refer to Hillcote Sanhedrin 18.1 for more on that. Okay. Well, lashes is not killing. Lashes is just a beating. No, you you only get you only administer punishment if there's a deed done. So if there's an action done. So um, the Rambam is explaining here, like his position on this, 
is that the occultic arts are of no avail. There's nothing that uh, that um, can be produced from uh, sorcery and so on. They can't do magic and cause things to happen. That's what the Rambam's position is, that the black magic and the black arts don't produce anything. So like voodoo, curse, voodoo curses and all this stuff is nonsense, is what he's saying. So there's no actual thing that's produced from these actions. So uh, it's that it's uh, trickery. Okay. something that has no power is the highest form of idolatry. It is stupidity. But I am saying this has power and all the things that Hashem does give you, it gives you the ability to accomplish amazing things, you say it doesn't have as much power as this. Yes. And it's that, that's the that's the idolatrous that's the whole point of idolatry. Yes, it's uh, um, exactly the the point of idolatry is to give life to something that doesn't deserve life right. or that's not able to receive it. Right. Okay. So, um, Halakha 16, and this, this explains more on this subject. All the above matters are falsehood and lies with which the original idolaters deceived the Gentile nations in order to lead them after them. So, um, so in his commentary on the Mishnah, Avodah Zarah 4.7, the Rambam writes that idol worship and the occultic arts were used by Gentiles to impress the common people and allow the pagan priests to exert authority over them. So it is not fitting for the Jews, who are wise sages, to be drawn into such emptiness nor to consider that they have any value as implied by Numbers 23.23. No black magic can be found amongst Jacob or occultic arts within Israel. Similarly, Deuteronomy 18.14 states, These nations which you are driving out listen to astrologers and diviners. This is not what God has granted you. So he makes, a, he makes a pretty strong statement here. So um, everybody put on your seatbelt. <laughs> um, whoever believes in occultic arts of this nature and in his heart thinks that they are true and that they are words of wisdom but are forbidden by the Torah, this person is foolish and feeble-minded. He is considered like women and children who have underdeveloped intellects. Okay. So nonetheless, as he writes in his commentary on the Mishnah, the Rambam recognizes that many pious and good men of the Torah shared this perspective. So um, note the introduction which precedes Halakha 4 where the Rambam's views and those of the Torah authorities who held different perspectives are explained at length. Okay, so, yeah, that's a very strong statement that the Rambam's making here. Um, so, a person, or whoever, any person that would believe in occultic arts of this nature, such as um, 
astrology, black magic, uh, sorcery, um, conjuring up uh, spirits and the dead and so on, um, foolish. Um, these are things that, number one, they're prohibited by the Torah, and people that would uh, put stock into this are considered foolish and feeble-minded. Uh, well, what the sages, uh, what uh, Mechubalim or Kabbalists, the, the way they read natural things and the way they approach the world is through the system that, uh, that Hashem has put in a place that runs the world. So basically these people know how the system works and they know how to access it. So it's not the same thing as an astrologer who would look up at the stars and make predictions about so-and-so and so-and-so and say because you're born here you're gonna be like this or because if you go lay down in this graveyard and say these things someone's gonna come and speak to you and tell you what to do with your life or so on and so forth it's 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 a completely different system if you would one of there's a there's a big difference here you have one group that's trying to access things from the wrong perspective. And then you have the other group who know the system and are connected to Hashem and know how to access the system from the proper perspective. Yeah, everything is the same system because nothing exists outside of Hashem. Okay, everything that we know is created by Hashem. Everything. So if it's being at the system which Hashem created, which is what we know of as creation, if it's being accessed in the improper way, then it's going to produce an improper result. Okay, so um, everything. Think of it like this: uh, the difference between purity and corruption. So uh, it's evident in nature that if human beings. Um, try to take things that are natural and use them in the improper way, what happens? It corrupts its purpose. But if we take things and use them in the way that God intended for us to use them, it improves on creation. Okay, we take, for example, we take trees, we turn them into lumber, and what do we build out of it? Houses and buildings and so on and so forth that make our lives better and more simplistic, shelter, air, you know, if you live in South Texas here, you need air conditioning, so you need a building made out of wood or whatever. Um, but none of these things that we build out of come from outer space or, or we don't conjure them up. It's all natural things that we take from their uh, initial form and uh, change their form into something better and more useful for our benefit. So when this is stuff is approached in the wrong way, um, it's usually out of trying to take shortcuts. Um, if you look at like Bilam, uh, Bilam knew how to access um, the tenets of prophecy uh, because he understood that certain times of the night or certain times of the day or this and that and that and this that he could access part of uh, the system that Hashem created um, and he would um, tap into it but it was in an impure way so 
look how his, you know, what, what ended up with him. He, Hashem told him directly, you are not permitted to curse the, the nation of Israel. So b because of his desire for money, uh, I guess you could say his desire for money, he sold information to the people that wanted Israel to go down in flames. And he said, well, I'm not going to curse them, but I can tell you how to cause them to curse themselves. So um, he, in essence, manipulated the system, which brought uh, pretty much the same result that was desired from the people that hired him. Uh, he didn't. Now, it, it's like saying, like, pick, like picking up, up a stick in the yard and saying, this is not a stick, it's a limb. That's kind of what Bilam did. Hashem said, don't curse the people of Israel. And he didn't do it directly. But because of what he did, the people of Israel cursed themselves, which brought the similar result. So at the end of the day, um, Israel had to pay for their sins. But then after the, the repentance and the recovery, the nation of Israel ended up wiping out all of the nation of Midian and uh, executing Bilam. So... Uh, Bilam ended, uh, and it's also said by our sages that Bilam did not inherit a, a portion in the world to come. So with all of his greatness and all of his ability to crack into the system through shortcuts, he was still cut off from Olam Haba. He was still cut off early from this world, and all of the desires that he had for money and silver and gold were all destroyed at his death. Uh, and everything everything that he caused to happen to the nation of Israel backfired and the people that hired him were all wiped out um, at, the, at the cost of, what was it, 24,000 uh, Israelite men, which is unfortunate. But at the end of the day, for the cost of 24,000 Israelites, um, Bilam's plan backfired, the plan of uh, the kings of Midian and so on, it all backfired, and Israel's still standing today. So again, a lot of times these things are done in order to make shortcuts to try to manipulate God's system, and it's only short-lived. Uh, you can't fool God. You, we can't fool God. So the whole, uh, this, and this circles all the way back around to what Rod was saying about um, the idolatry is uh, giving life to something that doesn't deserve life or that can't contain life. So to take all the shortcuts and to bypass God's system, it's like trying to bypass God directly and saying that His system and His laws and His ways are not sufficient, that God doesn't see and He doesn't know what we're doing, and somehow we're going to get over on Him by doing these acts. So it's like, um, if you want to call it a, a slap in the face to Hashem or a direct uh, form of disrespect. Um, so I don't know if that helps. But um, it's so common today in today's world, you know, for astrology and, um, you know, people seek psychic uh, advice and all this stuff. And it's, just, it's so common, but it still goes all the way back. It still roots from idolatry, whether they're directly worshiping idols or not. There's still what to be said about it. The Rambam is explaining to us here that it's empty and it's worthless. But at the same time, we're disrespecting the creator of the universe to, um, you know, in the least, we're disrespecting Hashem to inquire of these entities and these forms of 
divination, sorcery, uh, witchcraft, so on and so forth. It's not just um, for entertainment purposes only. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. This is really good. Uh, so what was brought up was amulets or talismans, things of such nature. Uh, uh, we shouldn't be using those things. Uh, that's true. Um, just yesterday, the rabbi was explaining how uh, if anyone has a mezuzah scroll on their doorpost, specifically for the purposes of uh, keeping their home safe, or keeping uh, bad things from happening, um, then it's a problem. The only reason that a person, uh, the, the base reason that a person, excuse me, let me start over, the primary reason that a person should have a mezuzah scroll on their doorpost is simply because Hashem commanded the Jewish people to have a mezuzah scroll on our doorpost. So now, does that, does that mean that uh, good things come about when a person is fulfilling the mitzvah of putting the mezuzah scroll? Of course it does, because is there really any power in a piece of leather with writing on it? No. Where, where does the power come from? It comes from Hashem, the God of creation, the God of Israel. So when He tells us to perform a mitzvah and we do it, then uh, through our obedience, we are tapping into the system, if you would, in a proper way. We're connecting to the system properly. Um, so it's like uh, it's like having the highest quality computer tapped into the best internet service in the world and then you just add in another gigabyte that's more or less what happens um, but the uh, the object itself holds no power um, and to give again to give power to, to something that is not intended to be powerful is a form of idolatry. What about the Hamsa? The Hamsa? I don't know anything about a Hamsa. So, yes, I'm, I know what they look like, but I don't. I don't know what the implications are. Why people have them? I. Okay. So the rabbi also spoke about the evil eye. Um, the evil eye is a real thing, but it has no power of its own because everything comes from Hashem. So, um, if a person, he was talking about if a person gives power to the evil eye as, as if it's an entity, then again, we're giving life to something or power to something that's not, excuse me, intended to have life or power. Hashem is the orchestrator of all things in this world. So, if, if something such as the evil eye exists, it's part of the system that Hashem put into place. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's lots of Jewish homes that have a Hamza in, in, you know, on the wall or whatever. And forgive me, I don't know anything about it. I don't... I know a lot of them are made really ornate and they look nice, but I'm not sure what the implications are. But obviously, if you have it... Uh, on, you know, off the cuff, it shouldn't be viewed as a talisman or any type of uh, protection or what have you. Um, objects in this world, um, yeah, created objects are not supposed to be given those types of powers. You know, 
at the end of the day, at the end of the day, consult your Rav. <laughs> okay. So the masters of wisdom and those of perfect knowledge know with clear proof that all these crafts which the Torah forbade are not reflections of wisdom, but rather emptiness and vanity which attracted the feeble-minded and caused them to abandon all the paths of truth. For these reasons, when the Torah warned against all these empty matters, it advised uh, from Deuteronomy 18.13, be of perfect faith with God your Lord. Okay, so the commentary here says to see the Ramah uh, on Yore Dea 179.1. Note also that the, the Ramban, um, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, his commentary on this verse in the Torah where he explains that the verse does not forbid consulting the prophets about the future. On the contrary, it is a mitzvah to consult them even in regard to your personal affairs. In that context, note the Rambam, Rabbi uh, Moshe ben Maimon, his comments in Hilkot Yisodei HaTorah 10.3. So, um, the Ramban is telling us basically that it is permitted to seek prophets concerning, you know, the righteous prophets concerning our livelihood and the way, you know, the, the path of our life. Uh, but any of these other things are empty, basically. And, um, okay, so we're finished with chapter 11. And next, I guess next time we can start with chapter 12 and we can uh, have more discussion if you guys are ready for that. Thank you, everybody.